Thank you for tuning in to Left Jest. You are listening to K-Piss. Anders Lee here with my co-host Alex Patak. We are joined today by some sidekicks. We got Melissa Stokowski. We got sidekicks. Uh, do you want to say something, Melissa? John Field. No. All right. Uh, Melissa's mostly uh, an intern today. She's mm-hmm. <laughs> picking She's up on the ropes. On uh, the ropes. She's here to learn. And then John is here to stop others from learning. I'm here to, I'm here to derail the conversation. And I'm going to be reading a book, I think. And then if I read something in the book I like, then I'm just going to sh- sh- like repeat it to you guys. Right. So if you hear John exclaim something, it's probably about a book. So mm-hmm. don't be, don't have ants in your pants about John's plants. A book Slant that rhyme. may or may not be about the 1996 presidential election, which is our topic today. That's what we're talking about. Yes, because we're f- coming down on the 20th anniversary of Decision 96. And because our guest canceled. That's also a factor. <laughs> uh, but this is something I've wanted to... I've been had a long interest in. It is the least interesting election in modern history, which I is why I'm so fascinated by it. Mm. And uh, I had a preoccupation with it as a high school student. I was in the library going through sections of books, and I see there's mm-hmm. like a very small section mm-hmm. with a bunch of books written by journalists about the 1996 election and what basically all of them were saying it was this is a pointless charade this is stupid american democracy is uh, rat fucked mm. sometimes it's not the shiniest rock in the diamond store but the rock with the most blood on its hands on the diamond's hands yeah I don't know. Well, I don't know very much about the 1996 election, which is why I am here as, uh, while Melissa is playing the intern, I am playing the student, and I will be uh, interjecting with my own uh, insight and commentary as uh, as the teacher. You'll be raising your hand. I'll be, yeah. Um, I don't think interns are ever above people, but they maybe have their own booth, so that would be cool. Intern booth. Um Folks, here's the thing about 96. It's like, how does that have anything to do with today? And it's like, I was not interested in it during the 90s. It was like over 10 years after it. But I think it was to understand my own historical situation. Because you got to go, you got to look not too far back, but also not like right in the moment because you're not going to understand anything unless you look, you know, at the previous historical stage that uh, yeah, came so up you, on the one you you can learn in. a lot about the current election from the 96 election and yeah. also i think an extrapolation of that is a uh, 96 election very boring in 1996 yes no very fascinating it. in retrospect uh-huh. so maybe although this election is very exciting right now it's going to be like yeah that's before the uh, pig raiders came very boring don't listen right well you had the most highly uh john did you read something in your book Yo, I was just going to ask you a question. What are you saying? Andrew? You're going to ask yeah, me out? Yes. Um, the, here's the For thing the about this debate was like the most highly viewed one, I think, in like history, right? Oh, really? That's disappointing. The first one was more interesting. Oh, oh Trump and Hillary? Yeah. I thought this one was like pretty entertaining. Uh, but th- the opposite was the case in 96. Like nobody la- nobody watched it. Nobody voted. And uh, part of the reason why is because there's no real difference between the candidates. Bob Dole ran as it was running um, as like a centrist moderate. And then Clinton took all the Republican ideas when he was president. He so he passed a centrist moderate. Yeah. Then, so it's a two moderates. You already had one. Why vote for the, exactly. the new one? <laughs> right. Um, uh, I want to throw out, I mean, what makes 96, like up until, let's say we exist up until August of 2001, what makes... 96 have any less urgency than the 92 election or the 2000 election what makes what makes it have less urgency yeah i mean well you say it's not an interesting election uh the same complaints people were making they um nader said that uh nader said that the difference between gore and bush was the velocity at which their knees hit the ground when the lobbyists came knocking well, it was Boom. Coke and Pepsi. He, yeah. That's where they started throwing that around. I think that was a sentiment that kind of rhymed with and was started back in 96. Right. Yeah, that is true. Uh, this kind of Tweedledee and Tweedledum 
And that's a hot uh, comparison. I had the Adbusters November 2012 baby, and guess who's on it? Obama, Mitt Romney, Coke, Pepsi election. It's the cover. Mm-hmm. My roommate put it under our other magazines. Right, and every few years we get like an exciting one where we get Trump. And back in '92, there was Ross Perot, who was also there in '96, but he was kind of marginalized. Uh, but and for the most part, it's kind should of should we just have a Ross Perot section? Because I didn't know anything about this. This, uh, yeah. Stallion. Let me here. Let me look up a this wild stallion. Until yeah, he today. was. He was a, in some ways, a precursor cursor to Trump, in some ways not, but he was like a billionaire who uh, ran for president in 92 and then as the Reform Party candidate and uh, did very well for a third party, then ran again in 96 uh, and was excluded from the debate without real any justification. They just kind of said no to him um even though he hollywood qualified. said no exactly uh but he he's a funny dude and he got into a debate with al gore on cnn you hear about this the nafta debate recently no this is back in they're trying to pass nafta we're gonna need a lot of dates going around <laughs> this is 1993 he gets uh in a debate with al gore they go on larry king and uh, they both and Ross Perot is famous for like his graphs and stuff. Uh-huh. Like this is before you know internet or whatever. So he carries around just a suitcase filled with like graphs, oh basically showing like how many jobs we're gonna lose or whatever. And then Al Gore uh, actually came as kind of a joke to kind of troll and brought his own like graphs and stuff. Yeah, I think of Al Gore as the graphs guy mm-hmm. from the Inconvenient Truth graph. I like to think he yeah. just stole the graphs. Hockey stick. Is there a hockey stick? I just remember they have the chart where they're like warming, going up, up, and then it goes off the screen and hits the roof, and you're like, oh, Uh-oh. that's a big line. Now that's inconvenient. Oh, boy. Right. My summer home. <laughs> uh, so here, I, he, it's hard to find stuff from from 96, but here, this is him uh, in, this is kind of like a famous clip of him from 92 yeah. at the debate they had there. Uh, and this is between Bill Clinton and, and uh, President eight George H.W. Bush. Yes, I'd like to direct my question to Mr. Perot. Uh, what will you do as president to open foreign markets to fair competition from American business and to stop unfair competition here at home from foreign countries so that we can bring jobs back to the United States? That's right at the top of my agenda. We've shipped millions of jobs overseas. And uh, we have a strange situation because we have a process in Washington where after you've served for a while, you cash in, become a foreign lobbyist, make $30,000 a month, then take a leave, work on presidential campaigns, make sure you've got good contacts, and then go back out. Now, if you just want to get out of brass tacks, first thing you ought to do is get all these folks who've got these one-way trade agreements that we've negotiated over the years and say, fellas, we'll take the same deal we gave you. And they'll gridlock right at that point because, for example, we've got international competitors who simply could not unload their cars off the ships if they had to comply. You see, if it was a two-way street, just couldn't do it. We have got to stop sending jobs overseas. To those of you in the audience who are business people, pretty simple. If you're paying $12, $13, $14 an hour for factory workers, and you can move your factory south of the border, pay a dollar an hour for labor, hire a young 25... Let's assume you've been in business for a long time, you've got a mature workforce. Pay a dollar an hour for your labor, have no health care, that's the most expensive single element making a car, have no environmental controls, no pollution controls, and no retirement, and you don't care about anything but making money, there will be a giant sucking sound going south. So we, if, if the people send me to Washington, the first thing I'll do is study that 2,000-page agreement and make sure it's a two-way street. I, one last point here. I've called, I decided I was dumb and didn't understand it, so I called the who's who of the folks who've been around it. And I said, why won't everybody go south? They said, we'll be disruptive. I said, for how long? I finally got them up for 12 to 15 years. And I said, well, how does it stop being disruptive? And that is when their jobs come up from $1 an hour to $6 an hour and ours go down to $6 an hour, then it's leveled again. But in the meantime, you've wrecked the country with these kinds of deals. 
That is uh, Ross Perot speaking in 1992, his famous uh, giant sucking sound quote. Oh, yes, that we all know. We have the shirts. Um, my question, are any of the graphs subtitles for the things he says <laughs> that he brings around with him? He is, uh, uh, I don't know if I think his subtitles, if he wrote them, would be even more confusing. <laughs> They'd just be other graphs. Yeah, and just like Hot little take. Texan his colloquialisms. Voice is funny. Uh, he is. Very funny man to laugh at. Uh, that's why I hear it left, Jess. We uh, really, really appreciate his... Uh, arguing against NAFTA. Now, what was Al Gore's counterpoint? Basically, he was saying, no, NAFTA is going to create more jobs. So oh. we're going to, like, lose some jobs, but we're going to open up the whole I'm thing. Getting, I'm getting excited. Yeah. We're going to, it's going to be I a giant. I hope NAFTA brings jobs. <laughs> I hope so, too. Maybe it's, like, a 30-year thing. So, like, the first 20 years doesn't go so well, mm-hmm. exploits a lot mm-hmm. of people, and then we just see this harmony in the global economy yeah it's the uh, you know i really have a knee jerk to it and a lot of people do where uh, we see all the jobs gone and the uh mexican economy uh, destroyed but sure uh, sure, sure. uh eh, we well, aren't seeing the big picture because we're millennial idiots right that's the thing we keep forgetting you know we we got our virtual reality glasses on right zoomed in we're like where's the almond milk hello where's the almond milk not coming from Mexico, and uh, there's no almonds down there. No, so we can't see the uh, benefits to it. Um, people who a lot of people didn't see the benefits to it back then. What what party was he running under, by the way? Reform Party. So oh, really? I think yeah, I th- yeah, he invented his own. Well, it's an interesting that before they kind of uh, folded, but they actually nominated or Trump ran for the Reform Party nomination in the year 2000. And um, they had a, they had a lot of. Smaller success, I think, off the top of my head, uh, probably the biggest name was Jesse Ventura, became governor underneath that banner. He, he was uh, yeah. kind of the Minnesota offshoot, like it was called. It's uh, it's, it's reform though, or at least it's it's like I, an, in, if I remember right, and if not, it's coming from the same inertia that Perot started. Uh, yeah, like, it's this just kind of confused populism. A lot of the reason uh, the Reform Party didn't take nationally is many of the states were too hot, and in Minnesota, it's much cooler, so that can actually allow for more uh, growth. Uh-huh. Of especially moments. Uh, <laughs> How can you tell? I think online, it's going over quite good. So, Well, see, per, uh, Go back to your book, John. <laughs> Ventura is like an interesting example. Like, if Perot actually managed to take power. Like he, ju- like Ventura, just got caught up in these like kind of idiosyncratic, weird issues. Like making the he wanted to make the legislature all one big thing um, instead of like like that's what he was dealing with. He, he was just having these weird. He wanted to make it. I think the word is unicameral. Just like this obscure thing, no one gives a fuck about unicameral. Another famous word from that election. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we, we want to make it unicamera. <laughs> right. Uh, but, and then he, well, he did do some stuff with transit, and that ended up in Minnesota. Now they got light rail and stuff like that. Some people credit Ventura with that, but he's also, you know, a crazy man. Um, <laughs> so, was, this is where if we had James Adomian on, we would Yeah, be that'd be great. He, he could do Ross Perot, too. I, I think that might be an interesting jumping off point is, is like, you see a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of, like, far right kind of weird, wacko stuff kind of come out of, 90s conservative politics yeah like a lot of stuff born i guess out of the am airwaves uh-huh um like chemtrails oh yeah chemtrail conspiracy theory stuff? everything from like infowars to alex jones all the way up to the oklahoma state bombings i think oklahoma all those city, are yeah. kind of twinned it's kind of a weird contrast because that's where one direction conservatism is going and bob dole is on the other end this kind of uh, uncharismatic uh, very pebble. Yeah. What? Yeah. You got kissed Pepsi by Britney girl. Spears, right? Yeah. Melissa is pointing out there's a commercial where Bob Dole does a backflip. And he did a Viagra commercial too. Well, here's the thing. Say 
charisma. Yeah. I still just think of the fruit when I hear his name, right, right. which is really sad if he was on TV doing backflips and still doesn't have the name recognition. And taking boner medicine, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the commercial's just a live feed of him taking Viagra and slowly getting hard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You're just looking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching some ads before. Well, yeah, the, we got this. Started. You want to see this right now? Uh, yeah, we got Bob Dole, who uh, we're going to get to Buchanan in a second because he's has a lot to do with Perot. Hold on, audience. We'll um, get there. But uh, Bob Dole is a guy who was got his arm uh, mangled. Like frozen. Yeah, mangled in the muds of Italy in the in World the big War II. One. Yeah. Uh huh. We we were watching this ad earlier where it's uh, just, just his wife saying nice things about him. Right. But they aired it on television. Well, it was a VHS tape that circulated. A what? It was a VHS tape. It circulated. People during... passed around tapes as advertisements. Oh yeah, this yeah back in the tape trading. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> Bob Dole, American Hero. Did He's... Bob Dole make America a mixtape? Is that what you're telling me? Basically, yeah. They would the campaign. Obama made a mixtape. Uh, yeah, it's on Betamax. It's weird because it's like a it. YouTube video. If you had to take a YouTube video and like compress it and like hand it out to people, so it's like you have to take it home and watch it, and it's like not even. It's like ten minutes. That tells you the beginning you know? to every horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ring is, yeah. There, you turn on the movie expecting Bob Dole's wife saying nice things about his weird arm when instead it's a dead girl coming out of a well. <laughs> it's the fear we all have. This is Bob Dole, an American hero. He's the most important person in the whole country. We need a president who will be a steady conservative hand at the wheel. A president <laughs> who has that special quality of leadership. A president who understands the price of freedom. We need a president who will be a strong role model. Who's not afraid to speak out on our values. Cutting taxes and balancing the budget. And creating good paying jobs. One day, I'm going to be president. I want the country in good shape when I take over. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce the next president of the United States, Bob Dole. Why did I fall in love with Bob Dole? Well, it didn't hurt that he was the most handsome and strongest man I'd ever met, and probably the funniest. The number one way to balance the budget, Arkansas, sell it. <laughs> But there's really so much about Bob that people don't know. His story is really the American story. Triumph over adversity, love of family, commitment to a core set of beliefs that have been tested in the toughest situations imaginable. To understand Bob Dole, you have to realize that Bob grew up in a family that had a lot of love, but not much else. For a long time, I didn't know this, but for years during the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl days, his entire family lived in the basement of their little house on Maple Street and rented out the upstairs so that they could make ends meet. His mom and dad, Bob, his brother Kenny, and his two sisters, Gloria and Norma Jean. And you have to understand what Bob was like before the war. Athletics was such a big part of his life. He was a football and basketball star, but also loved to run. And though he wasn't a great runner naturally, he worked at it until he set the local record in the half mile. That same kind of dedication and discipline has been evident his entire life. As a young man in a small town, my parents taught me to put trust in God, not government, and never confuse the two. Something else I learned the hard way. Uh, yeah, that's Bob Dole from I, I've never been more amped up. Oh my god! Than I am right I now. I want to punch a fucking wall. 
Yeah. I mean, don't because uh, we're paying. I might hurt my arm. I might hurt my arm. (laughs) And no one will vote for the freak with one arm. (laughs) That's what we learned. Well, and that's the thing, too. Is he uh, uh, something else interesting about him? Is he. Fuck, let me get the right input here. Um, Guy carries around a pen all the time. I think he still carries around a pen. And it is because his arm is paralyzed. And so he just puts a pen in it. And he'll, like, go on to talks. He's just, like, walking around all the time with a fucking pen in his hand that can't move. Yeah. So just so people don't try to shake it and stuff. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was, like, don't ask me to sign something. Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I That's probably happened to him. <laughs> Somebody's been, like, sign my baby. And he was, like, I can't. You I got ain't got the time there. for that. Right. Or maybe <laughs> he just takes it out with his other operable hand. Yeah, and if does he's a it. real comedian, he probably needs it to write down his bits. Yeah, he was known as being like a wisecracking dude. His uh, wife thinks he's hilarious. Uh, what did she say? The funniest, best looking. Fun- and strongest man she's ever strongest, seen. Strongest, physically, Which, mentally. You can't see it in the video now, but it's actually uh, condensed muscle strength a la Bruce Lee, where uh-huh. if you get flexibility to the right uh, levels, your punches carry far more than they would with the brute strength of some street tough. <laughs> That's Russell Kansas Strong right there. Uh, yeah, he- you guys gotta see that video because there's a lot happening Besides the the audio going on, a lot of nudity, <laughs> a lot of cornfields. Uh, uh-huh. You should read the URL. Oh, what is it? You should read the URL out loud so people can look it up. Oh well, mediaburn.org. If you Google, I f- no, no, found this YouTube video. Like name the number string. Uh, this is it's not on YouTube. It's on uh, this. Yeah, you anyway. can't find this shit on YouTube, dog. Point is, he didn't lo- he didn't win, and I think it's too revolutionary. Well, that's is like, and well, that's the thing about um, back then. It was like he was kind of, he, and this is something Clinton used because Bob Dole said, um, "We're trying to build a bridge to the past." This mythic idea of America that he, and that's what's illustrated in the video of he like this cornfield. Make and, America great again. He, yeah, but he didn't have the savvy to like use that and infuse it with like this populist message right, if he didn't pitch that idea to anybody <laughs> right uh but he so he said he said in a speech or something um i want to build a bridge to the past which the clinton campaign seized upon and they made their slogan a bridge to the 21st century and so their whole campaign was about modernization Damn. They're about this like technocratic neoliberalism with like the that's one of the one of the big issues that uh, Clinton harped on was getting getting every child access to the internet. That's By pretty good. Th- thank you. By the year 2000, we're gonna every elementary school student is gonna <laughs> be able to go on the internet. Like why? Like what the fuck? Like candidate would say that today? Like we want? I guess broadband, but it's still like giving eight year olds access to like you know. We need an iPad in every classroom. <laughs> Of knowledge. They weren't like porn. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, was, there was porn, but only if you were a real master hacker. Yeah. Uh, find incredulous about it the fact that it's like a large public project or one that just exposes kids to the internet. It's quite. Uh, I thought what? Anders' point was that it was totally co-opting the conservative narrative. Kind of. Yeah. So it, with just this with kind of utopian thing. view. I mean, it's it's they're equally like. Uh, vacuous like ideas and narratives this one about like cornfields and like small town valleys and homes and stuff and then this other one that's like technology and we're gonna like without any sort of like underlying idea of the way society is supposed to function and like how power is going to be distributed can i ask what is the big what's the big uh topic 96 what's what's their isis that they can't the deficit <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I laughed at the mic, but it was very funny. Um, shout out to Carl Dickler, wherever he is. But, um, <laughs> he would have been. Deficit's uh, not very. It's no. It's not scary. It's no. It's right. no NAFTA. It's, it's not. not yeah, and like they that. both agreed on NAFTA, so it's like. But uh, nothing to talk about. There. Nothing We're to talk about the there. <laughs> yeah, the only real major disagreement Bob Dole wanted to cut taxes by fifteen percent across the board. Uh, which would have been nuts. Um, 
flat tax? No, he didn't even want to go that far. Just lower I guess, it for yeah, just lower it for everybody. Not, yeah, it would have been like just kind of. It's a stupid idea. Uh, wasn't that hard to argue against, especially when all his other ideas have been taken already. Uh-huh. So Clinton came back with like, well, if you're serious about being a fiscal conservative, that's not a good idea because we can't balance the budget, which he ultimately did do. To his credit, not that it really fucking matters. Uh, but he did have a balanced budget, I think, in the late, latter half of his term, a few years, uh, which is not, which is historically unprecedented. I that think. also sets the ground for 2000 when the big talking point again is taxes. Right, and it's like, what do we do with this surplus? Growing up, I'm not sure if you had this um, phenomenon happen, but I was pretty sure politics was just about taxes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's really what maybe that's a product. Yeah. I think that's a product of our generation, like when we were kids. It's very in confusing. Yeah, and it's that's just, and it yeah. conf- it's able and that's that's how the Tea Party has been able to like seize upon the deficit as like this economic thing. Like the reason the economy is so bad is because of the deficit when it really is like totally irrelevant to like actual jobs and income and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just about the amount of money that the government artificially produces. Um, but they're like with NAFTA and stuff on the right. I mean, we uh, obviously we are against NAFTA as a show. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's official part of We're our. We're one of those anti-NAFTA shows. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You uh, heard of us on Bill Maher. You know what I like to say? NAFTA? Do we have to? Oh, shit. Boom. Print oh, the shirts. If he had had that. Them. Oh, boy. Uh, but the right wing was uh, more effective about um, talking against free trade than the progressives. I mean, there are a lot of Democrats who voted against NAFTA. Um, but That's, the, again, very opposite of what's happening now how so uh republicans are always pro free trade right oh right. yeah many of them are i mean democrats are too which is kind of well yeah them. i mean there's the, well that's again the, the the centrists of both parties are for or poor or for are poor are poor free trade oh uh, for free trade they're for tree prayed and uh, the spanish broadcast <laughs> six. we have to go back <laughs> no they're they're all about it uh, the centrists are, but in, and then uh, then the like progressives and the ultra right mm-hmm. like paleo conservatives are against free trade. Um, Would you say the left is more or less organized than 1996? And uh, we we'll jump in on that now. I would say less. I mean, you had some people talking about challenging Clinton from the left. Didn't happen. Um, and then you had Nader who ran like a non-campaign, like it was. Um, intentionally, it was less organized then, or now. There was a values and ideas campaign, right? Because I feel well, like at least there's some kind of uh, anti-capitalist populism at least now. There since is, yeah. The recession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no visible organization at all, except in groups like Black Lives Matter and. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, '96 is a couple years before they had, uh, you know, the WTO meeting that was disrupted and the delegates were actually blocked from getting to the meeting and that was that largely Seattle's a, on fire yeah the battle the in event? Seattle uh-huh they, yeah they were that was a left uh that's pretty cool right I like it when things are on fire mm-hmm me too. Well, when the bad things are on fire mm-hmm. yeah um and then you know <laughs> the you bad, had not the good things no 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 we like good things to not be in flames uh, generally maybe the next place to go with this conversation more about the clinton camp in 96 huh yeah we could talk about I'm that i'm eager to learn well the that was okay so that this was after uh he came into office and he was promising all to like uh have all these programs that he was going to invest in and stuff and his narrative is that they got in office and then the bush people didn't tell them how much money they had and oh, they didn't have enough money to do all this stuff rats. right and so he's like oh well my hands are tied i i can't do that stuff and so they had to start like not uh, they eventually well i mean they tried to do stuff with healthcare, didn't work they tried to like at the beginning we're trying to do some progressive things and then it just wasn't working and so what they did was ultimately tackle like champion these like stupid issues so like he ran on 
uh, for re-election, 96, he ran on school uniforms. That was one of his issues. I, I wrote a letter to Clinton. Did you really? I want to hear about this. Here's the microphone. I wrote a letter to Clinton in protest of school uniforms. I didn't want it. <laughs> I was totally against it. I thought it trivialized our individuality. Yeah. And um, he wrote back. And Did he really? Yeah. Are you serious? He didn't write back, but his, his the White House wrote back. Wrote what did they say? And it was auto pen. We appreciate your input or some shit. I mean, it's the most. It's not like, well, we considered it, and you know what? We're doing a 180. Good job, kid. Like it wasn't. It was a kid writing a letter to a White House. What the fuck am I going to change? Right. Like, but and it's funny because it's yeah. the classic like uh, debate camp, like a summer camp for debates, and they, it's like, oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to actually get the kids to talk about you know Issues. gay marriage or like yeah. some like controversial issue where people get emotional. We're just going to have them like, well, I think uniforms are, you know, yeah, and that's and his. Uh, what he did because he can't make them wear uniforms but what he did was he made the Department of Education uh, provide materials for uniforms so if they wanted to get uniforms at like local uh, schools they could do it was it a voucher thing is that what you're saying uh, it wasn't. It was schools, departments, because yeah, it's a weird disconnect. It's federal. He just yeah. He made the he incentivized uniforms. He couldn't he couldn't mandate yeah. them, but he made them available to like schools all across the country. Um, and his reasoning that he said in public, he was he was just like, if it stops gangbangers from killing each other over shoes, <laughs> that was it. That. Yeah, it's like how fucking far up your ass does your head have to be to actually buy like instead of actually dealing with why kids are dying and why there's like poverty in it's a band-aid, it's a band-aid. yeah exactly i love the narrative of these inner city gangs who grow up in these destroyed families who are like all right we're doing the deal after school and we're gonna kill juan but we have to wait till three because I don't have my good shoes on yet. <laughs> <laughs> it is very important. <laughs> I'm wearing the right clothes. I had a friend who was eight, uh, 13 and he's like a Jersey, like Colombian dude. And he, uh, he got robbed for his Jordans where he's like 13, like a little kid mm-hmm. walking that like walking through like a rough alleyway. It's like a bad after school special. And this adult comes up to him and puts a gun to his back. He goes like, give me your shoes and he looks down the alleyway there's like a bunch of broken glass there he's like come on man he's like nah give me your shoes because i mean jordans are worth a pretty penny they're, yeah. they're worth quite a bit yeah i derailed the conversation well uh, though, i mean uh, that is interesting how like back then it's like the age of hyper capitalism and supposed to be like hyper individuality and like we're done with exactly yeah we're done with the soviet like bland like we everybody. dance on their corpse with our individual yeah deals. right <laughs> uh and that and but it, within that you have uniforms I've which got a are very plan for savings exactly yeah a five-year plan for like monotony and like you know automized fucking atms and shit that and sound as good when you put it that way right it sucks you and, and but they, they have yeah they have all these like spins how it's like everybody's gonna be free to like express their like creative whatever and then you have to uh band-aid all the problems that this f- like free market extremism creates by doing things like making pe- kids wear these monotonous uniforms and like making them think as a fucking collective thing and being anti-individual uh, and this was a big push in the election. There, they, it was they, in, like nationally debated the uniforms. I don't know. I don't oh, think Dole. Well, it was another thing. It's like, well, how can you really? If you're a Republican, how are you really going to argue with that? No, you, know? you want people to wear even fancier uniforms. Right, right. That was an issue. Another thing he did. Remember the V chip? Yeah. That was Clinton. Yeah. yeah, it was on every remote. He like. I've heard a lot of comedians talking about the VG. You can explain it? No, explain it. Well, okay. So it's basically uh, parental controls built into the computer. And I remember uh, we didn't even have cable, but our family remote had a button that said V-chip. And you press it, and it it didn't actually work. I don't think a lot of them really worked. Mm -hmm. But it was supposed to prevent kids from seeing, like, boobs and Mm -hmm. the F word and stuff. It's the vagina chip. (laughs) That's the, the no vagina. It, yeah, they don't want to say. Yeah, it, they never said feet, what it stood for. It was just the V chip, boom. the virginity chip the, virginity that saved chip. our virgins. I bet keep I them pure. It's probably virtual chip or some for, something chip, shitty but. like that. Yeah, uh, but he had that, and then it was that was basically it. I mean, he had he, he was talking about like let's keep this progress going, um, 
Could you do yeah. a scene for me of Bill Clinton telling a child to get into their uniform? I understand why you don't want to wear it when <laughs> I was your age. I, I don't know, mister. You're making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> John, when I was your age, I uh, was raising Kane, running around in a jumper with uh, three holes in it. I, I don't understand who Kane. Kane? Raising Kane. Oh, no, I don't know. What? How'd you get in my bedroom? <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. See, he's you would. I'd be so transfixed. I'd be like looking into your eyes, and you wouldn't even be thinking about that. You'd be just like because he had that your, charisma. Yeah, yeah. Your jaw would be dropped. Uh, I yeah. yeah, I'd have the sax over my shoulder. Back when I was learning to play sax saxophone, the jazz club I went into, you had to wear a uniform. <laughs> and if you go to jazz clubs all across the country, they wear uniforms, college shirts. Uh, jazz clubs are a uh, <laughs> under my presidency have become um, now, now Clinton or mandatory Clinton I'm sorry uh, uh, this is John Field from the Associated Press um, Anders Lee in the uh, Left Jazz podcast said that uh, the extent of your 96 campaign was just wedge issues is that the entirety of what you were running on there's people there like no they, don't like, <laughs> they don't like the truth they don't, they don't like the truth and the truth is that dull was trying to make it so kids would show up to school naked. He didn't want our children to have any clothes at all. What is this journalist doing in this child's bedroom? Oh, it's I, bad enough Bill Clinton is there. Hi, uh, <laughs> John Field, uh, AP News. Um, Explain I, yourself. I cover the uh, the uh, improv beat. Uh, I, like to point out, <laughs> <laughs> I like to point out that uh, uh, poor improvers uh, talk about the scene. Good improvers talk about the emotion. So the child in this scenario yeah, would just accept. you don't accept. question it. You just accept the reality. That's, okay. that's the heart of He's asleep right now, by the way. Do you know the uh, first, Yeah, the kid's sleeping. This uh-huh. is my son. Oh. Did you see the thing where Clinton... This is... <laughs> did you see the thing in New Mexico? This is just a few months ago. Clinton, he was going around like diners and stuff. Nah. And there was this uh, guy, this like young guy who was just like at the diner with his buddies and uh, who's a Jacobin subscriber, by the way. And he just got into a huge argument with Bill Clinton about, like, uh, austerity and, like, cutting welfare benefits and shit like that. And Clinton got, of course, really flustered and, like... Oh, he got mad at him? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he he kept his cool to an extent, but he gets pissed off when you, like... Call my Well, all these, like, liberal, like, leaders... Yeah, he's... Yeah, exactly. But all these liberal leaders, once you try to, like, point out how destructive they've been, they get... That's what pisses them off the most. Like, Obama really resent... And that's his whole narrative now, is, like, talking about, like, we're ignoring all the progress, this invisible progress that we supposedly made while he's been deporting immigrants and bombing people. It's secretly, like, even uh, if you're one of the kids living in on the Mexican border in one of the camps, or you can't go home, and you can't go back to Mexico, and you can't do anything, secretly, you're kind of like, it's pretty good. <laughs> There's, like, a whole upside a to it, where you're like, there is a very charismatic man behind this, yeah. and I like it. <laughs> Uh, His wife is fit, and she wants me to be fit. She's got great arms. <laughs> She's much better than the men who come out at night in the camps. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not responsible for them at all. Um, so here Clinton ran a, he had, he ran a primary. What's he, that? He ran a primary? Yeah, yeah uh, that's the right word for it, right? Against Lyndon LaRouche, the crazy conspiracy theorist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't... He didn't actually have to... But he didn't do anything. That was an exhibition primary. Yes, LaRouche just for fun. is a crazy. Can you you can explain LaRouche, right, John? John, you're yeah. back in. Uh, he ran. Lyndon LaRouche ran for. I'll bring my microphone next time, and that way I could really derail the conversation. You haven't added anything. Let's hear a woman's perspective. That's. I just trying yeah. To what, you had a thing about. You remember '96, right? I remember a little bit. I remember voting. Our classroom like had an election, uh-huh. and I voted for Bill Clinton. And I, my parents are, like, super conservative. And, I, like, my dad came in for, like, bring your parents night or whatever. And he was like, you voted for Bill Clinton. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, bad. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I thought he was cool. And you were eight when this happened? Um, six. 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 Well, I'm 47 now. <laughs> uh, my right. kids were nine. Yeah. You were back a lot. Part of right. Dole's, yeah, part of Dole's program was like aging machines. So you right. go in there and it stretches. I was a byproduct of yeah. that. 
they stretch your skin and make you 20 years older. Right. It's like a sauna. Did, uh, this is a, just a quick thing. I'm going to let Melissa back in. But um, did they ever go for an attack that he was on the dole or wanted you oh, to be on the dole? That's a good one. Yeah. Dole Please man. Please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I can spin things. I'm real good. Uh, yeah, I have virtually no recollection at all of the Bill Clinton presidency except that uh, he had his affair and then my friend's parents did not approve and they wanted Ooh. me to know. Yeah. I mean... I was a big uh, six-year-old in the community at the time. <laughs> well, what did your folks think of the Lewinsky? Oh, they just loved it. Yeah. I remember like my, my Catholic grandma was like in town for some reason. Everyone's like glued to the TV <laughs> and like giving me shit, which was... <laughs> which was awful because I was a six-year-old, yeah. but like the sole Clinton supporter, right, right, right. And uh, You're it like was a crisis of democracy. And here. they like, I remember wanted to like shield me from what had actually happened, but also stick it to me a little bit. So they'd be like, "It's inappropriate what he did. Very inappropriate." And he lied, and I was like, "What did he do? <laughs> Tell me everything." And they were like, "No, it's really bad." But like, and being in Catholic school at the time, it was like also very difficult because they literally couldn't teach us what was happening right. in the news kind of I was also in yeah it was really difficult for them but we had uniforms <laughs> we did have it uniforms yeah they didn't they didn't even mention it in my school it was like a i guess baptist uh but yeah i, I don't re- i remember like not really knowing what transpired right not the actual actions but you saw like a pretty lady mm-hmm. all the time so I you knew, knew something bad happened I knew it was dirty just from the context of like how people talked about right. it like something happened to the dress but everyone was so excited about. too yeah. do you remember like yeah. without knowing like what was happening or even what like sexual acts really were at the time everyone was real real excited about it being thrown around like unprecedented and impeachment because yes. like I mean, you, um, you know i'd have been 10 i think and you know, then you're just learning about civics, and up until then, they're like, and then one of the checks and balances is he could get impeached. That's never gonna happen. Oh wait, shit, this thing just happened. You're watching history right now yeah. in front of you, uh, and that's kind of cool for social studies teachers to get um, excited about, even if it's kind of harder to talk about the larger what a, what a BJ right. is. And then, and then okay. that same teacher got to eventually do 9/11. So real exciting yeah. time to be a history teacher. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) lots going down and it's not just the buildings you know what i'm saying uh how do we feel as a as a podcast about sex scandals in general did you see the anthony weiner movie I didn't see no. that It one. came out. It was juicy. Yeah, keep passing the mic. Did you see it? <laughs> it was like a joint. I imagine that one apologized for him a lot, right? No, it didn't at all. It just followed him around day and night. And the best part of it is uh, his wife. Oh, I always get her confused. Really Uma Abedin. Uma. Uh, I, you know what? I don't need to explain what I get her confused with. Uh, but um, uh, Another... I get her. I'll just say it. I uh, package that name in my head with Kulop Vilaisak of Comedy Bang Bang uh, <laughs> because it's a lot of similar okay. noises and uh, problematic. Yeah, I'm not saying it's good. Sure, I'm just sure, sure. saying how my mind uh, compartmentalizes. But you um, know what? A lot of people are like uh, speculate about what's going on with her. Uma. 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 Uma Abedin. I think that. No, no, I don't she, think she's divorced. I thought them. she did. She walked she? out. I, I, I guess they're yeah separated or yeah. something. I think that whatever's going on in her head, the press likes to speculate it. But Anthony Weiner himself probably has the best sense of Uma. Yeah, uh, the thing is, he just keeps making it's the those first mistakes. clean Anthony Weiner joke uh-huh. in recorded history. Just to point that out. Oh, I totally even missed the joke. It went over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really here to learn, and so my mind is a blank slate. But um, uh, the thing about Anthony Weiner is that he could, I mean, I, you want to give him the pass for the one time because he was such a good politician, but then he kept doing it again and again right. and again. He's still doing it as far as or I know. Underage children, too. Well, underage he children? had one. He, okay, he had a baby in a picture that he was comparing his penis to the size of the baby. But he also was messaging an underage woman. That's a real hound Did he dog. No, she was underage. Oh god, whatever. It's juicy. See, it's but true. how I feel about this before it becomes a crime <laughs> is uh it's totally unrelated to his 
uh, work as a representative politician, and so it should be excluded. Sure. No. Not true. Not true at all. That's a defin- definition of character, first of all, of judgment, of just moral ethics in general. How can you say that's unrelated? Uh, because if he's uh, moving the public in a way that I approve of, it's uh, kind of, I don't really care what he does personally I as a guy. So what about Trump's uh, uh, rapey statements? Yeah, I mean, I don't like Trump for all of the other reasons not to like Trump, that okay, he would so be a terrible president. It's perfectly aligned with your politics, but is a huge piece of shit, rapist, child molester, you're like, Cool, represent me in our government. What I said was, before it's a crime. So if they're a rapist, that's pretty different. So unofficial rapist, good in your book. No, that's not the same. Having an affair does not make you a rapist. Assault or sexual harassers, anything like that, you're fine with. No, Well, he didn't do any of those things, though. He was just an adulterer. I thought there was actual, uh, wasn't he sending photos to underage girls? That's a crime, isn't it? Or no. I didn't hear underage girls until this time. I've been operating with the understanding that these are all extramarital, extramarital affairs. Uh, Anthony Winter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I mean, when you have, like, well, I think this pedophilia and stuff, that's a different issue. Sure. But I think this is... The and the underlying issue is why the the problem with representative democracy is that we can't depend on we can't give somebody that much power and expect them to not abuse it in whatever way. So we need direct democracy, communist oh. democracy. And it's also you are what you do. So uh, part and parcel with the type of person who would be attracted to that type of power, the one that's like attached to the government, is also people who you know have that weird creepy charisma or have weird sexual hang-ups and the way like right. you know you, you talk to comics and we're all kind of weird and needy uh-huh. in a way that rhymes with each other we're not all comprehensively like that and some of us are better than others uh you'll you'll find uh a certain flavor of dark personality that politicians are i was right reading, and some yeah, sorry oh i was reading through his um clinton's on a note um Clinton's uh, uh, give me a second convention speech a couple of the issues that he brings up is welfare this is in 96 yeah this is in 96 yeah welfare uh, which he passed right before the election Brady Bill um, uh, AIDS stuff that's the second time I've seen AIDS stuff mentioned and uh, crime uh, he increasing the police force there's a couple of more issues and then right all right wing sex and I got interested in that right wing ish other than AIDS these are right wing issues like welfare reform was something the republicans tried to pass a lot of times and then he finally like caved on it so he could take the issue away from them and taking the sex controversy back to bill clinton yeah since we're talking about the 96 election like uh i don't have any problem personally with bill clinton for uh abusing his power and getting blowjobs i have a problem with him for passing nafta and doing secret wars i mean i have a problem uh, with the other things he does i have a problem with both of them i and i think I'm kind of glad that now everybody's kind of conceding that he's a scumbag, you know, and like the all that liberals can say now is like he's not running for president. It's not I mean, ignoring the fact that Hillary has to some extent enabled this behavior and, and gone after his accusers and stuff. Uh, he's not. What's the be narrative with the, same the, way that he used to. the rape accusations against him? Uh Juanita Broderick accused, was um, supposedly raped by him in the 70s and uh, came forward. And if you look at her test, or her testimony or her version of events, it does seem like a legitimate case. And uh, I think, I believe it's been settled, um, but she still maintains that she was raped. Um, I guess the... Wasn't there like a settlement that he ended up paying for that or was I that a different so. case 
the thing that I have a problem with with all these situations is Uh how the females were handled because we never heard about that Monica Lewinsky was just shamed for the whole thing she really like he took very little responsibility in the whole thing when actually in her court and Michelle Wolf has a great joke about this it was kind of the coolest thing ever like if you're like fucking the president in the Oval Office it's kind of badass and cool like you're an intern you're still wearing a weird hat you know it's kind of neat but not you know condoning that but I don't think the women were treated fairly I think it's you know mostly just like shut them up and get them away and it's you know maybe we have to be a little bit looser in our what we accept from these leaders like John was saying like we expect them to do something fucked up because they have this power but regardless that's their responsibility and I don't think that the way females are treated in these is fair at all also you were touching on this last night but I think uh, you disagree with me, Alex, and it's kind of, I have to be really careful how I word it, but I think presidents, I'm not being too much of an old fogey by saying, like, a president sets the tone of a nation. Like, how oh, a president, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how a president talks and how a president behaves, it kind of hangs over the culture in a bigger way, so. Which is why we shouldn't have presidents. I am out. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, we have the reality that's in front of us, so um, I think it's not asking too much that, um, a president have character or um, act in a way that's not predatory towards other people. Because, you know, like, let's say, hypothetically, I have a kid and uh, he's growing up and the leader of the free world, like the most important job in the world, the thing like the ultimate warrior leader guy is acting in a really shitty way towards a, a, a cute 23-year-old uh, you, you can't, I mean, it's not too conservative or too much of a school marm or clutching pearls to say is like, that's, that's kind of a shitty position. That's not, that's not a good thing to have hanging over the country. So sure. There's cultural ramifications from the president being a dirtbag, but also I don't think it's unreasonable to be saying what Andrew is saying, which maybe that's why we shouldn't have presidents. Maybe, uh, we should be more vocally advocating for new ways to govern, uh, so um well we're all doing that but in the meantime are we i've never heard anyone i hang out with say that until anders said it just now i mean i i talk about undermining democracy all the time and burning down museums i think (laughs) you talk a lot about burning down museums which i uh, love and appreciate because it really scares people but um uh i'm right i the conversation and actual push for a better alternative can't begin until you can even say it out loud and talk about what it would be. We tried talking about it last week where like I brought it up and go like I said after the revolution what's that democracy going to look like and then I think the conversation kind of got shut down where it's just like well what revolution and so I mean um we we always want to have the conversation, but then comes the uh, liberal traffic stop after or far right. One more time, far left traffic. Take stop. it again. Yeah, take it take again. It. All right, stop. We're going to start the podcast over. I'm sorry. All right. So then, what's that? What? All right. Then let's just skip to that conversation. Is what's ideal for post revolutionary past post big break next wave uh, of democracy what's the what's the better way of doing democracy the episode we were going to do i'm sorry this yeah. week um before no, the the guests couldn't make oh. it is we were talking about the Kurdish struggle because there's these revolutionary uh segments in uh, that area that are essentially having an exercise in direct democracy so okay uh armed guards fighting the war in syria and turkey uh while also just essentially organizing through a collection of for lack of a better word soviets a uh united front of soviets so uh again i'm not an ace exactly on this topic either but that's happening now like they're governing themselves i don't know how that would work on a macro scale because america is huge Mm -hmm. so uh I, i don't know where you guys maybe fall in terms of a world government what do you think about that Ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, maybe uh, that could just be its own episode or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <H2O>. I think, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, the wrestling thing. Um, the wrestling thing. The wrestling thing. 
The, it's very uh, dangerous to fall into a whole abyss of wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're teetering on it. Hulk Hogan went from the WWF at the time uh-huh. to uh, NW, you, the WCW. world environmental. Yeah. We talked about wrestling the entire walk over here. <laughs> and Anders looked very alienated. It was sad. I Yeah, I, it's hard to be in comedy and not watch wrestling or play video games. But That's our real struggle here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a rough. Melissa's got the results. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay, so we kind of have our own uh, circle jerk going on with me, Anders, and John here, and we've done another episode. Uh, Anders and I did an episode on dual power, and um, having a democratized military and uh, the power of democracy directly, mm-hmm. and so we've all talked about it. But you know who hasn't? Is Melissa? What's your so, utopian you ever, vision? Yeah, do them? you have do you have like a, anything you ever think about in that way, like alternative uh, government structures or anything? No, but like now I'm thinking about it. I don't know. Can we all just live on a commune of some type? Yeah, would that be fun? Would you want to be around hippies? How big of a commune? I'm a bit of a hippie. Oh. Everyone would be in it, so it would be like so. Yeah, everyone would be hippies. I don't know. I think it would be cool to have some control over where our food comes from. Mm. That's something I think about a lot. I don't know if that relates to it. I haven't really thought about government in uh, in that kind of way. I think it would be nice to have like a group of people so maybe it's not just one massive ego running everything because mm-hmm. I think, like we were talking about, that power can go awry very quickly. What, what is an ideal... What does a Tuesday look like in your utopia from waking up to going to sleep? Ooh. Ooh. Oh my God! Not working. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not working. <laughs> well, when did jobs come about? That's one thing. Like, when was it the point in our culture where it's like, okay, I make this thing and you make this thing and we trade and like we just don't deal with anything. And then someone was like, no, like money and job. Like that was a switch a long time ago, and I think that's fucked up. Right. Uh, so worry. not working, not having a job is huge. Um. I don't, like swimming of some sort. I definitely want to go swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably Mandatory something in a mic. <laughs> Everybody has to go swimming. Um, yeah, that's. I want to watch TV for sure, and I, I want to eat steak. Uh, definitely, oh, there's yeah. gonna be a lot of steak in my utopia. And you still want to, you know, do comedy and things. Yeah, that you I was get gonna fulfillment say something in yeah. a in a microphone for me, <laughs> and everybody gets to do their thing that they like. Right. Unless it interferes with my thing, then like, also like everybody uh, has to focus on me. That's for sure. Right. The. Oh, over the heart. Definitely Stikowski not. Stand. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess to uh, summarize, I think that. We would agree that um, it's we're not at a stage where we can totally disregard the president and what they do and who they are as a person and stuff. Uh, I mean, Obviously not. But. Right, right. But we can start thinking about like why it, this is a a problem that we have that so much depends on this one person. And uh, ninety six is relevant in the sense that. It's We're tying it all back in. Hold we on. Are. Yeah, Hold yeah. on to your fucking Bring it in full circle. Decision 96 was it not a real decision because we got stuck in by making it all about these like the small clique of people and having everything micro focused on them. It seems stupid and it's but it's also like well sometimes these things that they do and their personal lot like their blowjobs and all this stuff has global ramifications and that shouldn't be the case anymore and we have to like examine that and it, it's an extra good example of bourgeois dem- democracy where you're voting, but you don't really have a choice. Right. Can I say one thing? Yes, please. I think I just figured out. Okay, what if like everybody, like there was an old person uh-huh. and like a not so old person and like a young person and like a poor person and a rich person. So you would get like a lot of demographics covered and they were just like a group and everybody would vote and you'd have like a representative. So at least then you were like picking for your group or something like that. And like a lady and a guy. Would, would that make sense? Person? No. It'd be like a group of like, I mean, then you'd have to decide what groups are represented and that would be a whole big thing. But what if it was a group of like five to ten people? So everybody was like, you know, in the mix a little bit more. I would vouch for 
localized direct democracy over a big panel like that i think that makes a lot more sense it's like they're like who's gonna be our poor person is a vote you're doing <laughs> what about bags joe he's got bags for legs he represents everyone who likes bags yeah um so I have to wrap this up soon to go right. my thing. Yes, yes. But uh, um, anybody have anything else to add? America's Comic at Twitter. Uh, follow John on Twitter at America's Comic. My phone number is seven eight six four nine three three four four. Melissa, do you, you want to? Do you want to? Yeah, I'll get my phone. Yeah, put out. put your phone <laughs> number out there. Yeah. Um, I'll get my Twitter. It's at m underscore s t o k s. Okay. And we are left just uh, vote Bob Dole and Jack Kemp. In 1996, A Better America. Thank you for tuning in to Left Jest. We'll be back next week. Left Jest!